absolute delight to be with you. Uh, this, you know, I was here a few years ago, but I've heard so much about this conference uh, and love your pastors, Pastor Alan and Eleanor. What, what phenomenal leaders, like effervescent, faith-filled, got the Spirit of God all over them. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I've started to call Alan the mayor of Tauranga, so that's, that's kind of what I think. And if I say it wrong, excuse me. Everything I do wrong is because I'm an Aussie this weekend, okay, just so you know. But the mayor of, the mayor of Tauranga, the key, uh, literally, I see you with a key to, this, to the city. And I see like an elder in the city and it's like you open doors that lets things in and blocks things out spiritually. And I think, you know, there's, a, there's pastors here who are from around the town and even just talking to before to Logan, just what great father and mother figures you are in this town as leaders and, and elders who stand at the gate and you have, an, you have an authority beyond what you realize. I know you realize you've got an authority, but a greater level of authority that is literally impacting the atmosphere over this city, which is a significant city in terms of the impact of the Spirit of God, not just in this city, but in this nation. So you guys are phenomenal apostolic leaders. Can you put your hands together for these great leaders? Really awesome. I feel like I want to come down here, but is that allowed? No, that's not going to break or anything like that, is it? That's great. Are they here all the time, or especially for conference? They're here all the time, so they're yours. I'll be careful with them. Uh, awesome to see so many friends here. Vicky Simpson, your first time here at this church, right? So let me just tell you, if you've never uh, encountered or seen or heard Pastor Vicky, she is uh, an extraordinary prophetess, one of C3's finest, Australia's finest, a great preacher, and a gr- you know, I'm living miracles based on prophetic words that she has prophesied over our lives over the last 15 years. So if she speaks, uh, record it, play it, and keep believing God until it comes to pass, all right? So it's great to be here sharing the platform with you, Vicky. See, Tess and Tamani, a great C3 pastors here from... from Tauranga, the other side. He likes to say the better side. I don't know about... I don't know if there's any crosstown rivalries going on, but he, he's, he was trying to recruit me to go over the other side where the coffee tastes better and there is actual surf and all these things. But we love you guys. Great, great, great leaders here. I also, just before, Ian McCormick, I, I, want, I wanted to say, I, uh, you have blessed our church. If you don't know, uh, Ian McCormack has traveled the world telling his story and to our church numerous times. There are, there are so many people got saved in our church because of your ministry. There would be tens upon tens, probably hundreds of thousands of people around the world are in the kingdom because of you. And I just want to honor the, the, the faithfulness that you've shown to what God's done in your life going around the world. And I've met Jane for the first time tonight. And I want to say it can't be easy having a husband who's going away all the time. Unless he's annoying, and then that would be really good. But, but I just want to honor you as well for together partnering in advancing the kingdom of God. Big mansion in heaven for you guys. Big mansion. It's awesome. And uh, great to see my friend Trent here, Trent Membry. What a powerhouse he is uh, and uh, carries the power of God and holds a very special place in our heart because our uh, on numerous reasons, but visiting our church and our conferences for a number of years, but about four or five years ago, our second son uh, went through a, a few years in the wilderness, okay? Uh, he, he was a prodigal, and uh, we like to say he was building his testimony for a few years. And so he did a great job building his testimony, but uh, Trent was speaking at our conference, and uh, Mitch, my, my son, came to church that four or five years ago. He was in, in and out of church, but living a double life. 
and uh, he, on that day that he preached, rededicated his life to Christ. His girlfriend, who'd never been in church, got, got saved on that day, and then uh, she got healed instantly when she got prayed for of chronic fatigue and went down under the power of God. It was, so it wasn't a courtesy fall because she'd never been in church. So she just, it was the genuine, real deal, power of God. And, uh, and they got married last year and have been in church ever since and are on fire for God. So love you, mate. Great man. Beautiful. Uh, so many other pastors from around. Great to have you here. And to everyone who's serving behind the scenes at conference this weekend, thank you because you're the heroes who makes everything work. So give you all the volunteers a big round of applause. Now, if we've never met before, I did uh, put a little photo up, uh, if we can put the family photo up. So I've got, uh, is that it up? There we go. So last year, my two boys got married within six weeks of each other. That's why I wrote the Wheels of Financial Blessing, just to help me. Uh, and so my oldest, uh, so this is Mitchell's wedding. He's the second. Uh, that's the, the Lids who got saved and rededicated four or five years ago. Uh, Oldest son, Jackson, who, who um, looks a bit like me, but so that's why he grew a beard. Uh, I've, been, I've actually been called his brother before, which is a great dad moment. Uh, in fact, Scott introduced me and my daughter, Gemma, when I preached in West. It's like, here's John Pierce and his wife, Gemma. So I, it's kind of, I don't, she was so devastated, but I thought it was quite funny. Anyway, so this is my wife, Danielle, and so we've been married for 23 years. No, 2028 years. That's right, 28 years. It's awesome. Yep. She's not here to remind me so I can remember. Uh, and then Jackson, who's just married to Nat, Mitch to Lydia, Gemma, who's my 20-year-old, and she's dating a drummer, so someone who's almost a musician. It's amazing. No, just apologies to all the drummers. So bad, so bad. Sorry. So that's my family. Danielle sends her love. Pastor Phil Pringle I was chatting to this week. We have the privilege of serving alongside and serving them and, and sends his greetings and love. And C3 is in such a good shape right now. We're planning about 45 churches around the world this year. Uh, just a real great post-COVID momentum is a wonderful, wonderful thing. So yeah, it's awesome to be here across the weekend. Really looking forward to it. Tonight is going to be a game changer for many people. A game changer. Some of you are going to leave tonight different than when you came in because of what God is going to do in your life. I'm expecting and excited. The title of my message is Not in My House. Not in My House. So I would imagine, uh, Tamati, that if someone was going to date one of your kids and came home and they were a Broncos supporter and they were wearing their jumper and their, all their vibe, you'd be like, Get, before you come inside, Get that thing off, not in my house. Now, this is the last time I'm going to talk about the Broncos and Warriors this weekend because uh, it could all go horribly wrong for somebody, and I don't want to put you all offside and brag about my team, the Broncos, getting into the grand final. I don't want to do that, so no more talk about that. You will beat us in the World Cup. We all know that. That's not even a given. When I got married uh, to my wife, Danielle, I'm actually, AFL's kind of my first sporting love. And when I got married, I'm a Carlton supporter. And her fan, what, did I hear somebody? Who was that? Well, hello, brother. I felt the spirit connection across the room. Magnificent. So when, when we got married, her family are Collingwood supporters. And that's like the other side. That's, the, that's like the, the, the tattoos and no teeth and... It just, that's, I don't know. You should have seen her before I married her, I'm telling you. 
No, just kidding. Just, just kidding. Okay. So she, her father had been a calling with, was in the family, but when we got married, she became a Carlton supporter. Oh, it was in our vows. Like, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. <laughs> Wherever you go, I will go. Literally, we had that in our vows. But she made the deal to cross over because we couldn't have any Collingwood stuff in my house, not in my house. And I want to talk to you tonight about a topic that, that really uh, that is so through the Scriptures, but so often the church doesn't talk about. In the first 18 months after we got married, we moved into a, a, new, a, a, a new home. We'd lived in a unit for a while, and Danielle and I moved into a new house. The street was called Bring and Brong. Not Bring Your Bong. I know some of you probably have lived there before, but, but Bring and Brong. Okay, so we moved into Bring and Brong, and, and we moved to this house, and we were happily married, 18 months, delightful stage of life. But the first two, from the moment we moved in and for about two weeks, we began to fight like cats and dogs. Just immediately we began to fight. We'd argue and we'd be petty and, and we didn't know, what, like, what's, what's going on? What's changed? And then one day we kind of woke up and thought, maybe there's something that's happened here in the spiritual atmosphere that's affecting us. And so we, began, so we began to pray, and we prayed all the way through the house, and we began to have what I would call an eviction prayer meeting. We evicted demonic spirits and evil spirits that were residual from previous people who'd lived there to cleanse the atmosphere, and immediately something changed. Immediately the bickering stopped. Immediately the, the tension left the house. And later on, we went and talked to the, the real estate agent who rented us the place and, and talked, said, what happened to that house before we were there? They said, oh, such a messy divorce in that house. And they had to leave. And that's why you guys moved in. Spiritual atmospheres are real. Thomas Jefferson's the third president of the United States, and he, he studied Christianity, and he actually he wrote a book called The Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth, completed in 1820, the second version, and what he literally went through, the, a, a real Bible with a razor and glue, and took out every verse that related to miracles, the supernatural, including the resurrection, that portrayed Jesus as divine. He literally raised them out, took them out, and then released his book, the, the Minus Miracle Book of Jesus, the morals of Jesus. And you go, how stupid is that? But unfortunately, in, in the church so often, we've been guilty of removing the supernatural from Christianity. We've been guilty of uh, thinking that maybe, maybe it'll be a blockage to people coming to meet Christ if, if there's some powerful but weird things that go on. Um, the answer to that is that, well, the, the world we live in is a Harry Potter generation. They want the supernatural. Now, normally when I say they're a Harry Potter generation, everyone thinks that's a great statement, but I got it from you, Vicky. And the fact that you're there in the front row means that I have to give you credit for the statement. But normally that would be my statement, okay? No, and, and I would give nobody credit for it. I would just call that research. And, but because you're there, I'm giving you credit. It is a Harry Potter generation who wants the supernatural. Sometimes we often think that maybe we, we should present a more intellectually palatable gospel. But... Reaching people's minds will not see them transformed and saved by the power of God. And Jesus modeled this in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went around doing good. And lots of people would like to leave it there. Jesus went around doing good with soup kitchens. Soup kitchens are awesome. 
but they're an aspect of opening people's hearts. No, Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You can't study Jesus or be a New Testament Christian without understanding that the power of God means that there's a confrontation between good and evil through through the, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. There is a clash of cultures. And so you and I have to understand this. Jesus said this in Luke 11. He was going everywhere, casting out demons. And the Pharisees are like, well, maybe he's casting them out by Beelzebub which is another name for Satan. Maybe he's using demonic powers to cast out demons. And Jesus talks about why that's ridiculous. And then he goes on in Luke 11 verse 20, For if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. When it says house, it's talking about a person. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. I want you to notice that Jesus uh, gives a metaphor of you and I as individuals as we're a house. Now, I know we're all different kinds of houses and different shapes and sizes. Some of you are triple story. And anyway, we won't go there, but we're all houses. And so here's the thing we have to understand. You are responsible for your house. You're responsible for the rooms of your house and you're responsible for what you let into your house and what you keep out of your house. It's your spiritual responsibility. So we we go on and we understand. Now, I'm going to talk about demons tonight, and there's going to be some shifts in people's lives and the atmosphere. But before we get there, what you've got to absolutely know is when you're a Christian, Jesus has given you and I authority over every demon. You're not under demons. They're not stronger than you. You have the name of Jesus. My my son, when he was about five years old, we had these things on the on the, the Sunshine Coast called bush turkeys. They're like rats, but with feathered variety. Do we have them here or no? They're just, okay, they're horrible things. They nest, they scratch, they, they mess things up. They're just, they're, they're terrible things. And they'll try and get into your house or your garden and mess it up. And so we, we had a little season where these bush turkeys would try and come into our house or our backyard. And, and I would just, you'd kind of just have to get away. Just go, go. You'd yell at it and whatever. So my four-year-old Jackson's watching this, my oldest, and he sees his bush turkey come up. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to teach him a little lesson here. Jackson, I, I, I want you to scare the bush turkey. I'm like, you have authority over this thing, all right? I want you to scare it away. What you've got to do, make yourself bigger and yell at it and, and just be really aggressive to scare it away. So the bush turkey comes in. It sees him. He's about this high. He's not really that scary to the, to the, bush, to, to the bush turkey. But I'm behind him. And as the bush turkey gets closer, I'm like, are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, go. And he starts going, get out of here. Go, go. And he's yelling at it. But what he doesn't realize is right behind him, I'm there going. <laughs> he, he thinks he's so powerful and strong and runs away. But I want you to understand that when you and I confront demonic forces in our lives, Jesus is standing behind us. He's the one the devil is scared of. It's his authority and his name. So you and I have authority. And, but you've got to keep that authority and understand that authority. Bible talks about sin crouches at your door. The early parts of Genesis, sin crouches at your door. 
It wants to come in and take control over you. So there's, there's a sense that if we're a house, there are doors of, of where we can let the Spirit of God into our life. Jesus says, I knock at the door of your heart. I want to come into your world. But there's also doors where spirits can come on in. And so we, we've got to understand. Let me just give you a bit of a thought. The Bible says, do not be ignorant of the enemy's devices. So let's just cover some, some foundational territory. The devil's not... A pointy head, you know, pitchfork, tails, all that. He, he's, that. That's not what he is. A lot of Christians overplay the devil's power. So I'm here to actually help you understand the authority that you have. The traditional point of view and the traditional biblical view, which I believe is true, is that Satan fell out of heaven with a third of the angels because he rebelled against the goodness of God. And so he was kicked out of heaven into earth. Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So if you ever want to see the best deliverance ever, we'll get to see it on video when we go to heaven. We watch it on the big screen where Satan got kicked out of lightning, out of heaven like lightning. Already that tells me if, there was a, if that's a third of the angels, there's two thirds versus a third. That's already a majority, just angels. That just, that, that just tells us. Already outnumbered. What a lot of Christians misunderstand is they think it's like God versus Satan. But Satan's a created being. Satan's like, he's a fallen angel. So he's more like on the, the Michael level, not the Jesus or God level, all right? There, there's three things that God is. He's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, he's omnipresent. And so th- these things, and people are like, oh, is that what the devil is? But I want you to know the first thing is he's not omnipresent. Omnipresent means everywhere at one time. He's a created individual being with a whole lot of demons under his power. So, so when God said, oh, where have you been in the, in the book of Job? The Bible says, uh, Satan goes, oh, I've been roaming around the earth. So that means he's not everywhere. He's, only God's everywhere. He's omnipresent. The devil's only one place at one time with, elite, with his angels under, under his command, but he's not omnipresent. He's not omniscient, which means all-knowing. God knows your thoughts. God knows what, what you're thinking. God knows everything about you, but the devil does not. The devil, I don't believe the devil's a, right, a mind reader. I don't believe that, uh, his, this is what I believe. If the devil was a mind reader, he never would have crucified Jesus. Because he would have realized that that was God's way to, to undermine him. So, so the devil's not a mind reader. He doesn't, he's not all-knowing. In fact, this is what happens. When a prophet comes or a prophecy comes and the will of God is revealed, often that's the first time the devil's heard it. So he's like, oh, I always knew there was something special about them. But then Vicky prophesied about the call of God. And then, then so that's why post-prophecy warfare kicks in. Because the devil's trying to steal the promise, the seed of God, before it gets into someone's heart and, and, and becomes fruitful. So it's like, oh, I heard that the same time you heard that. So he's not omniscient. Don't give him more credit. He's not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. Only God's all-powerful. He's a counterfeit. So when Moses goes against the, the Pharaoh's magicians and he does these miracles, the, the counterfeit could do some miracles, but then, the, you know, they, they could turn um, rocks into, uh, rods into snakes, but then their snakes got eaten by Moses' snake. And there was, they could do about three or four of the miracles, but then Moses kept going and kept going because God has all the power. And the devil, he's got some power. Don't be mistaken. He's got some power, but not all the power. He's not omnipowerful. He's not, he's not omnipotent. Does that make sense right now? 
Bible calls him the prince of this air, just laying some foundations. Uh, he, he is the, the prince of the earth. When Adam and Eve sinned, that gave the devil rightful access to come in and to rule in the earth. And until, because we were supposed to, he took the keys to look after the earth and the keys of hell and death. And then eventually Jesus came to upside down that so that the kingdom of God would now come. He took back the keys of hell and he took back authority in the earth. And now the kingdom of heaven is coming bit by bit, day by day, into all of the earth, expelling the kingdom of darkness one soul at a time, one person at a time, one city at a time. That's what Jesus, he said, the gates of hell won't prevail because we're taking back. So this is you and I. Now, we've got to understand that there are levels and layers in, in, the, in the spirit realm. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood talks about we're seated in heavenly places, high above all principalities and powers, rulers, spiritual hosts and leaders in the heavenly places. So there, there's like principalities, there's one sphere that's over, over nations and there's powers and then there's spiritual hosts. So there's, there's, there's a hierarchical, like, a, like an army of demonic forces and powers. Not to be worried, not to be scared about it, just to be not ignorant of the enemy's schemes. So then this is, this is kind of what happens. So, I think of it like this, okay? I've seen lots of people get set free and their lives change in a moment. It's awesome. This is going to happen tonight. There's, there's like, in my language, there's three types of demonic activity in a person's life. Okay, the first is possession. When a person is possessed and a demon literally attaches to their spirit and takes control of their life. And so, you know, there's a man in the Bible had a legion of demons and it was controlling him. He couldn't even, he was naked, he was hurting himself. The Bible talks about uh, Judas, that Satan entered Judas and controlled him. So literally went in and spiritually controlled him. So that's possession. When you're a Christian, you can't be, that, that won't happen to you. So when Jesus says, oh, you know, we get rid of the demon and it comes back and the house is swept out, he's not talking about Christians. He's talking about unsaved people who get delivered, which you can by the power of God. And then a demon comes back and realizes the spirit of God's not in the house, that that person's not saved, their spirit's not right with God, goes and gets seven others and they're in a worse condition. So when an unsaved person gets delivered, they need to quickly get right with Christ, quickly become born again, so that they, can, they won't be possessed again by demons. Does that make sense? All right, that's, that's possession. Then, and so, you know, and you've only just got to turn the news on. And watch what people do that's horrific. And you're like, how the heck could that person do that horrific stuff? That's demonic possession. That, that's what's going on. Okay, the next level, my words. So that per, that's possessed and literally controlled from within. Then the next is, is what I would call oppressed. Where a person and a Christian can be oppressed, dominated in any area of their life. That can be in our mind, oppressed with our thoughts. could be in our heart, oppressed with hatred. It could be in our body with physical sickness. And that kind of demonic activity torments us, keeps us restricted, keeps us locked up. Okay, that, that can happen. And so often what will happen when Christians get delivered, literally, and I'll, I'm going to encourage us to do this tonight, there, there is a coughing out. There is some people vomit out. Some people just breathe out. And people can feel something on the inside, like, you know, I used to be burped as a kid and then as a teenager, and I'm like, oh, I can feel it right there. Just bang me right there, hit, hit on my back, and that air's going to come out. Well, sometimes that's what a spirit does in a person, and they're like, oh, where, where can you feel it? Oh, right here. Oh, right here. Oh, and people can almost, and then bam, it goes. 
that's, that's not possession. That's just a demon attached to a person's soul that we're, they're getting set free from and life being changed. So that's, that's more about being oppressed. The third one is, and this will be the case for all of us, we'll all be harassed or resisted. So when you're about the kingdom, the business of the kingdom, you're going to encounter, if you're taking, uh, taking stuff off the enemy, there's going to be a fight. There's going to be harassment. There's going to be resistance. Uh, Paul talked about a messenger of Satan that was sent to torment him, or in the translation, the Passion Translation, the adversary's messenger sent to harass me. He, wa- he wanted to go to one particular place, and it said Satan hindered him. So this is not Paul possessed or controlled or, or oppressed by a demon. It's just he's advancing the kingdom and there's warfare and there's battles and there's obstacles and there's harassment. Uh, a friend of mine makes this statement. He says, if you're under attack, you're on the right track. So you, you can't be a Christian taking territory for God and making a difference without some level of spiritual warfare, whether it's your health, your relationships, your family, your money, your finance, your business, whatever, mentally, there'll, there'll always be something. That's why we have to put on the armor of God because we're in a spiritual battle. This is what happens all the time. Are we going all right today? Turn to your neighbor, but don't cough. We do joke about it a little bit at our house. It's like cough that up right now. You're going to get free. Just as there are angels assigned to protect us, there are demons assigned to harass us. And when you begin a new level of spiritual authority or ministry, you've heard the expression, new level, new devil. So you'll encounter something, but here's even better news, new level, new anointing, and new authority. So you've got to learn to work in that and move in that. We're doing all right. Some, act- some indicators of demonic activity. Okay, persistent chronic pain and illness. Incurable diseases, incurable degenerative diseases, pain or sickness from an accident or operation that should have healed but hasn't, insomnia, mystery illnesses, barrenness, tormenting spirits, anxiety, fear, depression, discouragement, nightmares, night terrors, guilt, shame, shattered confidence, person who's bombarded with thoughts that I'm not good enough, not qualified enough, I don't have what it takes, self-hatred, self-harm, rejection, lust, sexual addiction, someone who's controlled by anger, the, the marriage under attack, consistently fighting poverty with addictions, alcohol, gambling, spend, all, these, all of these things are signs. Now, uh, disclaimer. All right, I'm not like the guy who looks for a demon under every chair, every pillowcase and every, everything. All right, I want us to not be ignorant of de- the devil's devices, but I also don't want to blame him for stuff that we actually just caused because we were being stupid. Okay. <laughs> Uh, upbringing, personality, lifestyle choices, all means that it's very, it's very human to experience fear. That doesn't mean you've got a spirit of fear. It's human to have anxi- anxiety moments. It, it's, it's human to get frustrated. It's human to get angry. But it doesn't mean that we're oppressed or controlled by a demon. These are, these are normal things. Just a hot tip for all the fellas out there. If your wife ever gets mad or angry at you, do not bind the devil. Do not just say, I bind that devil of anger. That just does not work. You might get punched and you probably deserved it for stupidity, which is not a demon. Okay, just, just we, okay, all right. Just felt like that, that revelated. That, that, that's helping somebody. Sometimes not every physical condition is a result of a demon. Our bodies wear down. We have accidents. Things go wrong. We have, there, you know, there are genes that are in our family, not genes, but ge- genetic things that, that are just struggles that, that we have. And it doesn't mean we need deliverance. We need healing or good health. 
And so we're not looking for a demon in everything, but I believe that we so often, because we're spiritually unaware and maybe are overlooking, so often a, a, a struggle we're facing doesn't need counseling or medication. It needs deliverance. It needs an encounter with God to set us free. And then we've got to adopt a lifestyle and a mindset that will keep that freedom. A friend of mine once said it like this, if you've got rats in your basement, uh, because there's rubbish in your basement and you get the exterminator in and get rid of the rats, if you don't get rid of the garbage, the rats will come back next week. And that's a little bit what I want to talk about right now before we begin to be, begin to move. Because the devil, if the whole idea of not in my house is there's legal doors that God will come through, there's also legal doors that the devil will come through. And if we're unaware of this, we'll leave doors to our house open. And, you know, it's like one week uh, we can get prayed for and get free and it's really awesome. And, and you know, but there's this door into our house that's, that's not open. So it's like, oh, man, church was great. I got set free. And then the, the enemy's like, oh, I'll see you on Monday. And he's like going back through this unclosed door of your life back into your world. So the, the Bible says uh, that don't, do not give the devil a foothold. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. Don't be in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. That, that literally means don't give him an open door. Don't give him, if you're a rock climber, don't give him a grip to hold on to. If you're a pilot, don't give the devil a landing strip to land in your soul. So let me talk just briefly for five minutes about some of the doors that can, can let the, the enemy in. So some of the legal doors. So sin is one. Probably one of the greatest uh, sins that lets the enemy have a, a victory in our life is unforgiveness. Unrepented sin. I was pray, remember praying for a lady and just talking about this particular principle and she'd had chronic fatigue for 15, 20 years. Not every chronic... Okay, you know, not, when I describe certain things... And it might be a condition you're facing or someone else is facing. Doesn't always mean it's demonic. Okay, so please don't try and play, oh, I know what your problem is with your friends. Just, just to help us out today, okay. And so this lady had had this condition for such a long time and she heard me talk about this, that unconfessed sin uh, can actually leave an open door for the enemy. And so we're trying to pray for a breakthrough, but the, because the enemy's got a legal right, we don't get a breakthrough. And so she remembered that 15, 20 years earlier, she'd had a relationship with a guy, a sexual relationship before she was married, and he had all these sicknesses and illnesses. And basically, sex creates a bridge between your soul and somebody else's soul for whatever issues they've got, you're going to get them. That's, that's what we call soul ties. And so there's this bridge created. And she, because of unrepentance of that particular issue, she'd fasted, prayed, sought God hour after hour, meeting after meeting, older call after older call. But because there was a legal right when she confessed that sin to a person, repented from God, repented to God about it, then got prayed for healing, she got delivered magnificently in a moment. Because the door was already open. So you've got to close the door. And unforgiveness is one of the biggest issues that will keep people in sickness because they're holding something against somebody else. That's one legal door. Other legal doors well, the occult. If you've been involved in Ouija board, seances, voodoo, tarot cards, witchcraft, certain games, all sorts of things, that creates an open door. 
Uh, open doors can be people and atmospheres. I, I've had people come and stay in my house who have got a, a, a particular affliction on them and unaware of it. And, and literally, I'll go into that room that that person's been in. It hasn't happened lots, but a couple of times. And then I will get afflicted by this thing that sits on me until I got my wife to pray for me about a week later, realize what had happened, to shift this thing off. Atmospheres, people. Uh, Objects and visuals. I've talked to people who go, I don't know why my kitties are having nightmares, night terrors. I'm like, oh, okay. And then they're like, yeah, they watch this show and this program and this movie. I'm like, I know why. Because you've got an open door. That TV is an open door for your eyes are the window to the soul. What, how does stuff get into your soul? Through your eyes. Pornography creates an open door for a spirit of lust to get on a person. There's, what you're watching matters. Uh, the board games you play matters. Uh, objects can, can be a, a portal to the spirit realm. When we were in Fiji at one point, uh, we bought this little, this little object at the market, took it home, and, and our son immediately got migraines. For the next couple of days. And when we went and like, when did this? And we tracked it back. I'm like, oh, that's that thing. Threw it out. Bound that thing. It got better. It's like objects can be a portal for the demonic. I know a friend of mine got saved and he traveled all through the world. And he was like, okay, I'm going to do what they did in Acts. Throw out all the witchcraft stuff. Went through his house. Some of it was quite expensive. But he's like, I don't want portals for demonic spirits in my home. He started throwing it into a bag. His wife's in another room, unaware. She's sort of behind him in the spiritual journey in another room. While he throws something in the bag, she starts screaming at the top of her lungs in another room. Why? Because that object was a portal. And he'd allowed it into his home. All right, we're getting real now, aren't we? I'm going to get a, going to get a keyboardist to come up in a moment. Associations, there's, there's secret societies, Freemasonry, religious environments, that can create an open door. Trauma can create an open door. Remember getting a word of knowledge, there's someone here and you've added, I can see you with the flashing lights of an ambulance and you're lying on the ground paralyzed and, and, this lady, and, and you've had in, problems with your neck and shoulders and stuff ever since and this lady comes up and she goes, that's me. She's just new to church. She said, I, was in, I got hit by a red car as I walked on the footpath. It veered off the road and took me out. Smashed me and broke vertebrae in my neck. I just basically was, was hospitalized for ages. Uh, I got a fear of red cars, obviously, but a fear of being out. I, I became a shut-in. I got, I got this sort of whole anxiety around being out, being in crowds, had constant pain in my back, in my neck. And interesting, trauma can be an access point for spiritual, for demonic things. And so she, where she should have healed naturally, she wasn't healing naturally because their spirit had come in on the back of it. In a moment, we prayed, cast the demon out. Then the healing power of God came and hit her. And she got radically healed. Not just, not just healed, but set free from free, set free from social anxiety, set free from pain on, on an ongoing basis. This is, this is what God wants to do. Are we doing all right? Did we get a keyboardist? We didn't quite get a keyboardist. We're getting one. Generational. Things can happen. Last story. When my father died, he'd been harassed. He'd had a battle with cancer. When he died and, you know, God redeemed the whole kind of component. But we went and stayed in his home. And my daughter, who was a baby, maybe five months old, was in, in our home, and my wife. And we stayed in his bedroom. 
And in the middle of the night, I wake up with this horrific dream, like horrific, like I'm on a car going flying off the edge of, and I could just felt fear. Simultaneously, my four-month-old or five-month-old daughter starts to have like an asthma attack, but she doesn't have asthma. She just starts wheezing. We're like, oh, flip, what's going on? Never had this. What's this? We need to ring an ambulance. You know, you're at that point, is she going to be taken out? What's going on? It was so fearful. And then we realized we're in this room where my dad basically lived before he died and he was harassed by this demon, spirit of death and affliction on his life. When someone dies, that spirit's got to find a new assignment. Often generational things. It's like, well, I'll go to that family. I'll go to next in line. I'll go to that person. And so this thing's visiting the room. I just, I kind of like, oh, flip, this is unusual. This is not, this is demonic. Sometimes it takes two minutes. Sometimes it takes two years. We woke up at two and like just took authority. Because it just, it's like the bush turkey coming against you in the name of Jesus. Get out of this place. Get out of this room. Go. And immediately she starts to breathe normal. Immediately the feeling of darkness and fear left the room. That's because spirits are real. We need to be aware. We're not ignorant of the enemy's devices. When you're advancing the kingdom, we're going to take territory. We're going to, that, there's always going to be stuff going on in our life. So this is what I want us to do. In a few moments, I'm going to, we're just going to have a bulk prayer. Okay, a bulk prayer. And I'm going to ask you in your seats to stand up because... I've done this in numerous churches and seen the power of God move. I don't specifically have to lay hands on you. If you're a follower of Jesus, I'll get the whole band to come now. They are coming. Good job. Oh, there they are. You guys are awesome. So good. And so if, if, you, if any of these things that I read out before resonates with you, persistent chronic pain, incurable sickness, degenerative disease, accident or operation that hasn't healed, mystery Ill, illness, Anxiety that cripples, fear, depression, discouragement, those things that I read out where you're like, this is more than just normal. I can't seem to get free from this thing. Rejection, self-harm, whatever it might be. I'm going to ask you in a moment to stand up and then I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And my experience would be that 60% to 80% of the room will stand because there's areas, I'm not saying you're possessed, that you're either harassed by or oppressed in. And you want to get free. So can you just close your eyes right now? Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence and power that's here right now. Thank you for what you're wanting to do. You came to set the captives free. You came to deliver us. You give us authority. Lord, tonight we're saying no more of the harassment of the enemy in our lives, no more of the oppression, no more of the the persistent issues that we're facing, no more. We stand up to say no in the name of Jesus. I'm going to get you guys to do the second last song, the one about, yeah, and there was this awesome chorus about a sound and I really, I just loved it anyway. You'll be great. You work it out. But, but what I want you to do, when we, we're, we're kind of, we're going to pray soon, but I want like a, quite a front-footed authoritative sound. Is that cool? So we're not, we're not like balleting our way into deliverance. We're, is that cool? Just a little. All right. So, so if, if, if that's you and you're like, that's me and I want to get freed or not. Even if you're like, I'm not sure if it's a demon, but there's some issues you've described and I'm facing those and I want to get free. Would you stand up right now, right across the room, just stand up. Say, I want to get free. I want to shift that thing. 
I don't want to be under that anymore. I want to I want to see the atmosphere around my heart, my life, my marriage, my health shift. All right. This is what we're going to do. This this is what I call a front-footed kind of prayer. We're getting there. This is good. So I'm going to basically lead you in a prayer and I want you to say the prayer after me. And it's you saying, not my house, devil. I'm responsible for my house. No one else is responsible for your house. You are responsible for your house. So it's you saying, not in my house, devil. I'm taking authority, taking it back. Uh, At the end of it, when I lead you through this prayer, you'll say the words after me. I'm just going to ask you to do one simple thing. Um, At that point, once you've prayed the prayer, I just want you to stand and breathe out. And I'll begin to, I'll take authority over things. And as you breathe out, some some of you literally, as you breathe out, you're like breathing. Imagine I'm breathing in the Spirit of God and I'm exhaling something that's been harassing me, something that's been tormenting me. Uh, If it's demonic, it'll be more than human breath. You'll feel something begin to shift. Sometimes it's quite subtle. Sometimes you might become noisy. You might become undignified. That's okay. We're all family in here. Don't worry about being religious. The devil comes in in, uninvited. I love the words that describes Jesus. He drove out demons. So you have to cooperate with God right now and say, I'm not having this in my body. Okay, so as we pray, then at the end, we'll begin to take authority. Are you ready? Got to engage your will with this prayer right now. So say this after me. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that you're the Son of God and the only way to God. Come on, notch it up another 10%. That you died on the cross for my sin and rose again from the dead. I come to you now for mercy and for forgiveness. I believe you do forgive me. And I receive and you receive me as your child. Because you receive me, I receive myself as a child of God. And now, Lord, you know the problem that I have, the demonic influences that torment me. Lord, I want to meet your conditions and receive your deliverance and close the door to the devil. First of all, I forgive every other person whoever's harmed me or wronged me. I forgive them now. Now I want you just to pause and think of somebody you know you need to forgive and just say their name quietly to God. I forgive them. I release them from my judgment. I forgive them. All right, we'll keep going after me. Lord, I've forgiven all these people. I've laid down all bitterness and resentment, hatred and rebellion, and I believe you've forgiven me. I thank you for it. I also renounce every contact with Satan, with occult power, with secret societies, with anything in Satan's territory. I repent of being on that territory. I turn my back on it now. Lord, if there's a curse over my life, I thank you on the cross. You were made a curse that I might be redeemed from the curse and receive the blessing and I claim it now I'm released from the curse and entering into the blessing now Lord I come against any evil spirit in me that occupies any area of my soul 
I tell you, I hate them. They're my enemies. I'll not make peace with them. I'll not compromise with them. They'll have no place in me. I turn against them now. And in the authority of your name, Jesus, I command them to leave me. I expel them right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus.